lesson. And, uh, you know, I thought about what can we be thankful for? You know, we live in, a, in an awesome country, an awesome county, an awesome 805. And I thought, you know, what are some things that we can take for granted that most people don't have in the world? You know, most people don't have clean water. Most people don't have sanitation. Most countries don't even come by and pick up your trash. Just leave it there. Can you imagine that? No one picking up your trash on Thursday? There would be a riot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the basic necessities of life, yeah. food, shelter, you have, you have a roof over your head. Hey, we have a comfy bed. Maybe it's not the best bed, but it's comfy, right? Sometimes it's more comfortable when it's not made. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just kind of plop right in. It's already set for you. Who has to tear the sheets off again? Just sit right back on it. Um, it's obvious to us, but not for most people. Um, how about loving, lovely family and silly friends? You know, our family and our silly friends. Friends that make us laugh. Friends that bring a smile to our face. And our family. You got to spend time with your family. It was awesome. I got to see my brothers this week. Uh, my mom and dad. Got to see Karen's parents. And a special little treat for us is Karen's mom used to be a disciple and she's getting restored uh, to the church back here on uh, Tuesday night. We're going to be heading down to Lighthouse and, you know, celebrating with the church there that, you know, that she has a place to go and a place to connect. So we're really thankful. Uh, your health. I wrote, I put, you're still alive. Because we can complain about our health. You are still alive. What about gaining wisdom with age? What about our legends group? They're getting wiser and smarter. They can do things with phones now that we can only dream of. <laughs> when they get a hold of our phones, they can do stuff. No, Dad, it's this way. Check this out. Oh, that's how you do it. With age, they get wisdom. What about learning from our mistakes? You know, there are two peoples in this, in this world of ours. One who are broken because of the hardship and the other who come out stronger because of the hardship. Um, you know, the mistakes and failures that we can make, you know, we face them because they're the best lessons of life. And I can't imagine being without them who I am today, without the hardships, the mistakes, because I learn more from them than my victories and successes. True to all the, all the tiger moms out there. Education, I put it in there for you. Be grateful for going to school. Most people don't get educated. Our education is free. Well, sort of. Sort of free. We pay for it. It feels free. That's the point. You have access to it. You can be educated. And when you're educated, legends and kids, you can live an independent life have your own money, your own place to live, and you can do what you want, right? Because education will provide that for you. Yeah. Here's one, music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it amazing how much music knows you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a sermon doesn't make you cry, but man, the right song at the right moment, the right time, oh man, you are crying on the freeway, you're <laughs> slobbering all over yourself. Isn't it the music that makes the movie? Yep. Yeah. You see the scene, but without the music, it doesn't stir you. Right. Music knows us. It knows what I want. You know, music always has bad timing. 
when you have a heartache of a song or a life moment, for instance, when I was growing up, my girlfriend had broken up with me. This was back in the 90s, early 90s. And I'm not kidding you, every single day I turned the radio on, there was Sinead O'Connor singing every day about my heartbreak. Cried four days straight. Music knows us. You can't escape. What about moments? Moments when you spend time with the best people in your life. The ones now and the ones yet to come. You might have thought people back in, 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 your, in your history of your life that there are moments where you cherish. Maybe you've captured with a picture or with a video. But there are moments. The moment your first child was born. The moment you said, I do. And you're like, man, I'm, commi- I'm in. I'm married. The moment you said, this is where I become a disciple. A moment where you say, this is where I'm moving out of my parents' house. <laughs> the moment is, this is when I'm moving back into my parents' house. <laughs> there are those moments. We have them. What about the holidays and traveling? You know, travel is awesome. Summer. Where you go and the Christmas holidays coming up. What about this? Waking up every day. You wake up and there's life. It's, you believe that there was a yesterday and now there's a today because I woke up. Another day with new hopes. New love. New tears. New lessons. New successes. New failures. New experiences. All stitched together. Just because you woke up. God says this in that letter to the church. He's encouraging the church or the the Old Testament people. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. God always wanted us to remember the things that we can take for granted. That they all come from Him. And He says here, to be thankful with all your heart. Give thanks with all of your entire heart. And also, because you're thankful... What it does, it produces this, this ability, this, 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 this desire to go, let me tell you about God. And you share your God with others. And Paul writes this letter to the, to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, hey, rejoice always. That means good times and bad. Pray continually through good times and bads. Give thanks in all circumstances. Even the, even the ones where we make mistakes and we fall or we, or we choose the things we, we should not choose. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you a joke. I have to preface it because people think I'm serious all the time when jokes. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say a joke right now that I want you to laugh at. Several weeks ago, a dear friend sent me this story and the encouragement that follows. Two old friends met each other on the street one day. One looked forlorn, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, What has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, Let me tell you, three weeks ago my uncle died and left me $40,000. Wow, 
That's a lot of money. But you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew even uh, died and left me $85,000 free and clear. Wow, sounds good to me that you, you've been very blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away and I inherited a quarter million from her. Now the man was really confused. Then why do you look so glum? You don't understand. This week, I got nothing. <laughs> and sometimes that's the problem with receiving things on a regular basis. For even a gift that we can expect, our natural tendency is that we receive the gift long enough, we come to view it as an entitlement. We deserve it. It's ours. When we feel hurt, even angry, we don't receive it any longer. And we forget to be thankful in all circumstances. I hope that joke made you laugh. Because when I read it, I was like, that's how I can be. That's easily how I can be. Entitled. Where is my dinner? Why isn't it being cooked, wife of mine? God made you for one reason. <laughs> Right? You guys are like, guys are like, oh man, just talk about yourself, bro. Talk about yourself. I understand. I get that. I get that. It's the same way with God's blessings when we, when we receive it every day. The list I went over. You know, we don't deserve our comfortable homes that we live in. The beautiful scenery around us. The clean drinking water we get to drink. We're very specific. Tap, oh my, you, no, no, no. Filtered. Just think about that for a moment. Our tap is clean water. No, no, no. That was when I was little. Now I drink filtered. Most people in the world don't even have clean water. And when it stops working, oh man, the, you know, the rage comes in. We get really upset. So we expect these good things. So I want us to make an effort in remembering things that we get and blessed with every day that we're, that we're grateful. But the most important thing I want to leave you with this morning is, is the concept of what Jesus and God has done. And we're going to take a deeper look. I'm going to show you a video that I hope will inspire you and help you understand God in a more deeper way and what He's done for us. So I'm going to cue this video, Matt, if you can cue the audio. If I click this button, will the video work? Okay. You fixed it? Good job, Holly. It was mess. Matt, thank you, bro. Here we go. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice. But there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice, and therefore you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. 
you should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life, and the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless. Because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant, and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people, and his life would be offered as a sacrifice. And this is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel, suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for men. And that word ransom refers to a sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in this world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us, so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. 
So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is this sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and the resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. As a, uh, as a parent or just as a disciple or you're visiting and you want to learn more about the Bible, the Bible Project is an organization that's nonprofit, and these videos are absolutely free. And they come with study guides. You can go to BibleProject.com. You can download them, watch them at home, watch them with your kids to explain themes of the Bible and actually also the books of the Bible. And sometimes, honestly, they do a better job than me. And I'm trying to explain, I'm always fumbling, and, what? Listen, and when I saw this, I thought, hey, if everyone had access to this, how much better would it be in teaching our kids and ourselves those, those things that we have questions on? Again, another thing to be grateful for. Another thing to be, and it's absolutely free. Wow. Love this place. Now, I, I, I support them. I give them a monthly, uh, monthly dollars each month to support this project, because I want it to keep going, because I think it benefits everybody. So that's pretty cool. So in that video, we come to Timothy who is, who is leading a church and Paul's writing to Timothy. And he writes this letter to him, teaching him, instructing him. And this, this letter's read to the church as well. It's a, it's a personal letter, but it's part of the Bible and you have access, access to it as well. And, and as, as we read it in church, let us just look for a moment here on what he, what he reflects on. Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This was written at a time where it was to come emperors who would systematically dispose of your brothers and sisters who would hunt them and kill them and confiscate their property. This is what was urged. To pray for those in authority. Pray for the kings and the emperors as they're killing you. When we, when we read that today, we're like, you know, our president's not going to kill us. But there are presidents in other foreign countries that will do that. There are Christians being hunted down in the Middle East. And we're called to pray for those in authority. 
to live quiet lives. And he says, this is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and human beings. Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself as a, there's that word, ransom, atonement for all people. This has now been witnessed too at the proper time. Living in peace. Showing the world that God can redeem anyone. Everyone is redeemable. Everyone. Because Christ already sacrificed Himself for them. So as we leave here this morning, let us leave with a resolve to proclaim God's Word to all people, to everyone. As you go from here to there, as you get reconnected with old friends, old co-workers, old acquaintances, that you show your gratitude and extend the invitation to them and make them aware of what Jesus has done for them. With that, have a great afternoon. Don't forget, we're going to start with our kids right after service. That concludes our service. Thanks for coming.